everybody. Uh, good to see you. Happy Saturday night. Um, it's good to be here. It's summer and it's hot outside, so it's good to be inside with the air. Um, also, if you have your Bibles, so it's just... We're just going to hop into it today. Um, so if you have your Bibles, bring them to the... Uh, to Luke chapter 11, verse 27, and as you guys are turning and getting there, um, so my son turned 10, and there's something about whenever your kids go, go from the age of nine, that's a single digit to 10, that's a double digit, if you double it, they're 20, that means they're not at home anymore, and it causes a panic attack. And so um, this idea that my son turns 10 causes me to question everything about who I am, about a, you know, about a parent, who I am you know, as a husband, um, have I done a good job? Like, he's 10, so he's pretty much kind of out of the house now, and that's how I'm starting to feel. And so as I'm starting to evaluate the things that, I'm, that I should be teaching him or, or talking to him about, I'm starting to ask, you know, so can he comprehend these things? You know, where is he cognitively? And then I start, you know, to think about the experiences that I had at the age of 10, because that's, you know, the only experience that I have. It's my own experience. And, that, and so I start to think about where I had been at the age of 10. And of course, it's hard to be focus because I got ADD, and I start to not just think about where I was at 10, but, but all the traumatic things that happened to me at the age of 10, like going to vacation Bible school all summer long. And I started to, to think about, you know, my parents would drop me off at vacation Bible school all summer long, like vacation Bible school, church after church after church. They are dumping me off. And they all sang the same songs. And the songs that they sing when, you, when you're at the age of 10, that they involve hands. Okay, you know, like the, the hand things for every part of the song. And I hated doing hand things. I hated standing up. And I don't like singing. And so, and so it's this idea. I was, my, my whole summer when I was 10, I was standing up doing hand things. And, you know, like they had the song like... The our God is an awesome, and I can't sing. I mean, I have a hard time talking anyway, and then you throw singing on it. It just doesn't work. And so, you know, our God is the awesome God song, and then there's the I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart song. You know, and I was like, where? You know, and and you belt it out, and then and then all always they have the song, and it comes at the end, and then you put out your finger, right? Who knows this song? And then we'd all sing. Help me out. This little light of mine, right? You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, you know? And then you just go for it, you know? And you're like, I'm going to let this light shine. We're not going to cover it up, you know? This is, this is my light, you know? And so, and so as I'm thinking about this, and like how enthusiastic I got, you know, joy, 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 down it, where? You know, and I was, ugh, because I couldn't sing, I would yell, you know? And so people are like, yeah, like that kid. And so there's like this enthusiasm. And, and I started to think, I'm like, man, you know, when I was 10, no songs, and I started, you know, like, to think about how enthusiastic I had about these songs, and, and then I started to evaluate, what do these songs actually mean? Like, the theology behind them, I don't know, the, 
delight, the, the awesome God, you know, and, and then the joy, I don't even know what the joy is. And then, and then I started to just like eternally, internally, you know, like, you know, like, who am I as a person and a father? And I stink. All right. So, so this whole thing was happening. And then, I, and then I thought, you know, how many times do I get caught up in the enthusiasm of things that, that I don't actually know the things that are happening, but that I just get swept up and I say things that, that, that I don't really know what I'm saying. And this, this situation is a situation that the, the verse 27 in the, this chapter of Luke begins. So, so just setting the context, it's really, really fun. So, so the whole chapter probably happens kind of in the same like 24-hour period. So, so Jesus, he's teaching on prayer. He teaches people how to pray, and it's awesome. Like, he's doing a great job. And his crowd begins to build and get bigger. And then the more people who come, there's this kid who has a demon in him because, hey, that happens. And so Jesus casts him out, and then he begins to teach about, you know, spiritual things and demonic things. And that was awesome. And, and there are all these things that are happening, and the crowd is getting bigger and bigger, and the enthusiasm is getting bigger and bigger. And then this person in the crowd begins to call out, hear it goes. Okay, this is verse 27, right? And it's awesome. Okay, so as a congregation, here we go. So as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Right, okay, so it's like he's getting spunky right off the bat, right? So this whole thing is happening, like enthusiasm, crowds building, and, and this woman in the crowd says, man, blessed is your mom because you are awesome. You know, like, blessed is your mom, like, you are rocking it. And then he says, no. So actually, blessed are the people who hear the things I say and they actually follow me. Have you actually heard the things that Jesus said or been taught the things you in the Bible and you get enthusiastic, but you don't actually follow them? <laughs> so the other day, I am driving to Silverthorne. I'm driving to Silverthorne because there's this, there's this great couple that is about to get married, and I'm really excited to be the efficient. I'm very, very honored. We've been preparing for this, and I am so excited for them. And I'm driving to Silverthorne. And as I'm driving to Silverthorne, there's this big, like, uh, this camper in front of me who's carrying these two ATVs. And it's going slow, right? Really slow. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to get there because I'm the guy, you know, like I have to cause it to happen. And so, and so this camper, you're going to Silverthorne, you're going up and you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, so I'm behind him and the thing catches fire. Like, I'm like, dang. Right at first, it was like, whoa. And it's like, and they pull over, and I'm like pulling back, you know, pulling back and, you know, going slower. And they pull over, and a whole bunch of other people pull over, and there's fire going, and the people get out. So it's like, cool, you know, their thing is on fire. And then in my head, I'm like, all right, cool, there are other people here that are helping them. So I got to go to Silverthorne because, you know, I'm a pastor. If I don't show up, then there's you know, all these responsibilities that someone else can't do. And so I, I pass them, and, and then in my head, I'm like, sweet, you know, I did not get held up 
buy this thing on 70, you know, because, you know, 70 is going to shut down and I bypassed it. And I was like, God, thank you, you know, because, you know, if I was behind that, you know, I would not have been there. And I, I was playing Caleb and, you know, like singing, things I can't sing is I can't really talk and singing's harder. And so, and so this whole thing. And, and so I pull into Silverthorne, I get there on time and I'm like thinking like, I'm awesome. And then of course, so I pull out my phone, I check my phone and I get this text from a friend of mine who is, he was here at church a couple weeks ago. And he said, KJ, so I just wanted to tell you I was super encouraged by your servant on the Good Samaritan. And uh, I mean, like, I got like goosebumps because it's one of those like, you idiots, you know, like this, I was the priest and my priestly responsibilities and just skirted around the burning RV, you know, like, oh my gosh. And, and this, like, Sometimes people just don't think and don't know and have good intentions and they're, they're all in and they're trying to serve God. And do you know what I'm saying? And we don't know. And sometimes you just get schooled by the Bible. You know, like you just get schooled. And I love that because, I mean, like, that's the point. You're supposed to grow. You're supposed to be challenged. It's like, oh my gosh, like, I just got up here and talked in front of 2,000 people about this. And I was like, ugh. Anyway, this is what's happening here. You know, this woman is singing Caleb. And this woman is a part of this, this whole thing. God, you are awesome. You know, blessed are you. You are amazing. And he's like, no, blessed are the people who actually hear the things that I say and they follow me. It's kind of like this thing turns, you know, like his, he, 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 his whole attitude is like, okay, something is shifting here. This, this tide is going to turn. It's, it's like, are you actually doing the things that I say? I was at this pastor's conference a super long time ago. It was one of my favorite things. They were talking about the authenticity of the Bible. Is the Bible true? Yes. You know, and everyone's like hooting and tearing and there's all this, you know, academic stuff. And this pastor is just like dynamite. And he's like, like throwing down. And then, then at the end, like the whole place is like filled. And, and, and he goes, you know, who believes with beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Bible is, is, is true. And everyone's like, yeah, you know, that was true. And he's like, well, who really cares? Because you all don't follow it anyway. And then he closed the Bible and he went off stage. I was like, oh. right? Like that's, what was happening in this moment. And it's a really beautiful thing because there's this idea that whenever you go, go into the Bible, there's the ownership of it. You know, I'm going to page through the Bible and I'm going to circle the things that, that bring me life and bring me hope and that inspire me. And then I'm going to, going to underline the things that I think that I should memorize and the things that I just love and set my heart on fire. But the tr truth is, it's probably the things that you d don't circle, the things you don't underline, the things that don't inspire you, that might be the things that you need to hear and might need to challenge you. In fact, instead of paging through the Bible, like the whole goal is for the Bible to page through us and to page through our hearts and begin to pull out and expose and to challenge things. And this is what Jesus does here in verse 27, 28, 29, and 30. So here it is. So let's 
go through this together as a congregation. So as the crowds increase, Jesus says, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given in except for the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. All right, so you got to remember, let's like think about things that are happening. Like, it's been a good day, right? Like, Jesus taught on prayer. Like, he taught on prayer, and then he healed people, and then he delivered a demon out of somebody, and he taught on, on spiritual warfare. It's been a good day, and then you have... Caleb happening, you know? He's, Jesus, you're blessed. You're awesome, you know? And he's like, mm, right? Mm. And th- th- then verse 28 happens. Verse 29 happens. And he's like, you are a wicked generation. It's like, Jesus, what happened? You know? And the crowd is building. It says, so as the crowd is increasing, like he does the opposite of the thing that I would do. You know, if the, if the crowd's getting bigger, I'm more hopeful. He does the opposite. Crowd's getting bigger. And he's like, you're wicked, you know? And, and, and furthermore, it's this, this term that, that this term wicked that he, he says it's only found a couple other places in the Bible. One of the places is in the prophet Nahum, and that, that actually is a book in the Bible. For the, you know, like, like it's funny, it's very obscure, minor prophets, Nahum, and the book of Nahum is all about the Ninevites. That is the city of Nineveh, that, that is like the apex of the Assyrian Empire, right? So, and, okay, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, so Jesus calls this crowd of people that begins to gather in this generation of people. He says, you are a wicked generation. And this term is very rare. It's only talked about in the book of Nahum, which Nahum talks about the Ninevites, right? And then he says, and you ask for a sign, but the only sign I give you is the sign of Jonah, which is about who? The Ninevites, right? So you see all these things that are like, awesome. And so he says, the only sign that's going to be given is the sign of Jonah. And so he doesn't say a bunch here because for the Hebrew people that he's talking to, the huge population he's talking to is, and they, they already know the story of Jonah. They know the story of the and who they were as people. And they know what the sign of Jonah was. The story of Jonah is a story of the epic repent, turn around. The Ninevite people outside of the book of Jonah in the book of Nahum, it exposes, like, like they are an empire and they are at the heart and soul of Assyria. They, they fight, they steal, they conquer, power is their thing. And that is what Nahum is all about. It's like, God is going to expose you. He's going to tear you apart. He's going to shine in the places that have been dark forever. If you have time, because you all have time, go home, go in the book of Nahum. It is saucy. Like the things that, 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 that he talks about, like it's like, oh my gosh, I don't believe he just said that. It is so good. Go in there, spend time in there. It's short, so do it. Okay, so, so the Hebrew people, they already understand this. They, 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 
They understand Jonah. They know about the Ninevites, the hearts of the Ninevites. They know the definition of the wicked. And furthermore, they know how the Ninevites heard the sign of Jonah, heard the repent, and they, they actually followed it. They, they actually heard what God was saying, and they said, yeah, okay, I'm going to change. Furthermore, for the Hebrew people, the Ninevite people were the epitome of evil. They were the epitome of, like, burn to the ground. Like, that was it. That was their story that they always point back to. And furthermore, it's the story of the grace of God. Like, he just, he spared them. He had grace on them. And so when in this passage, when Jesus says, you ask for a sign, but the only sign that you will be given is a sign of Jonah. There's a ton of story just like thrown into there that everyone is getting. He's comparing us to the... Ninevites. He's saying, here's all the things we, we have a hard time with, with, with greed and power and conquering and us and blah, 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 blah. He's comparing us. And he, furthermore, he's saying that there is a chance to repent. And then the passage goes on. Here it is. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment of the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. Woo! Okay, the queen of the south. Just that vocabulary, the queen of the south is coming. Like, the, the, doesn't that sound cool? It's in the Bible, right? So, so the queen of the south is coming to judge this generation. He's talking about the queen of Sheba, the queen who during the time of Solomon heard about Solomon, how brilliant Solomon is, how God had, had given him the understanding to all things. And she traveled very, very far. Someone who had everything, someone who, 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 who owned everything, this queen, and she sought him out. She sought him to test him and question him and, and to be taught by Solomon. And so, um, so something that's really cool is, so in this really short passage, he first says, you know, the only sign that you're going to be getting is a sign of Jonah. And then, and then he says, and the queen of the south is going to be coming to judge you. First of all, you have to understand that the queen of the south, she is not Hebrew. She's on the outside, right? She's a Gentile. And so, so the queen of the south is coming to judge you. A Gentile is coming to judge the Hebrew people. Interesting. That's even offensive if you are Jewish. And so furthermore, the queen of the south, she is someone who is a sign of humility and power. Someone who came to Solomon and said, teach me. Um, someone who had it all, but, but humbled themselves, just like the Ninevites did at the same time. Jesus is calling it out. Remember, he's calling it out right after Caleb happens, right? Um, you know, Jesus, you are awesome. You've done all these things. All it's like, whoa, whoa, no. Blessed are the people who actually hear me and they change because of me. Then he talks about two people groups who actually do that, who are not Hebrew. That's another thing. The, both of these groups are not Hebrew people. We have the... Ninevites, who are the epitome of evil. And then you have the queen of Sheba, you know, who was pagan. And Jesus is bringing them up, comparing them to them, and then how the Ninevites and the queen of Sheba shifted. And then the passage continues on. 
Here we go. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. Do you see what is happening, this pattern? So Jesus calls out this crowd that is gathering. And this is a call of like, you know, you are evil. You are wicked. You have heard the things that I said and you do not do it. You saw the truck on fire and you performed, you know, the, the ceremony, you know, um, you, you know. And, and then he brings up the Ninevites and says, they will judge you. The Ninevites, those that you point back and say, they are evil people, they will actually judge you because they turned their hearts towards God. They will be in the judgment. And then furthermore, the queen of, the, queen of Sheba is going to be judging you also. This is brilliant. Then he swings it and says, because someone greater than Solomon is here. Someone greater than Jonah is here. You must understand who Jonah and Solomon are to the Hebrew people and who Christ, during the time of this passage, he is um, to the Hebrew people. He's just a teacher at this point. He is not saying, I am the son of God. He's not saying I'm the Messiah. He is just beginning to like appear, right? Like coming out. Yeah, it's, it's happening. And so, so he's comparing himself to Jonah and he's comparing himself to Solomon. And not only comparing, he says, I am greater than Jonah. The message that I have here and that I'm saying to you is greater than the the message that Jonah had to the city that was going to burn. Furthermore, the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, came up and sought Solomon, but I am greater than him. So, so the focus of this passage, although at the beginning it feels like this, this like, whoa, Jesus is just coming down in full force, it's more of the invitation that's starting to happen. This is like the altar call at the end of the day. So this woman, she's all in. Jesus, you are blessed. Your mom is blessed. You are amazing. And then he's like, no, amazing and blessed are the people who are, who are going to hear what I'm about to say and actually follow it. So here it is. This is an evil generation. This is a wicked generation. And so were the people of but they turned their hearts. They changed their hearts and they bent towards me. And I am greater than Jonah was. And the queen of the south, she slot Solomon and, and all of his understanding and all you know, of his truths. But I am greater than Solomon right? It's this place of like, he is, is bringing himself up. His chest is starting to come out. Like, here's why all these things today happened. And here's the authority that I can speak from. I am greater than all those who have come before me. And it's a really powerful place to find himself in. And then he says, here it is. Everybody, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it is to be hidden under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. 
it's that song, you know? Here's the thing. This verse right after the message that he just gave. Blessed are you, blessed is your mom, for you are amazing. He's like, no, blessed are those who hear the things that I'm about to say and actually follow them. You need to repent, you need to change. And then furthermore, the story of Nineveh and Nahum and exposure and go into the book of Nahum. It's amazing. Um, you know, and it's like, God, it's all about the light coming in and shattering the darkness, the fortresses falling down, exposure, vulnerability. And then he says this. So if there's a light, people aren't going to cover it up. They're going to put it on a stand for all to see. Your eyes are the light of the body. The question that, that, that I asked very early on of like, what does the song mean? What does it touch mean? Who am I? And, and 10-year-old KJ, you know, and all the, and the enthusiasm. The light was my heart. And I mean, like, the light that Jesus is talking about in this situation is, it's you. It's, it's you. And we, we, we think it's so easy to pull this out and say it's all about the gospel. It's all you know, shift, shift the gospel. Not in this context. This context, it's you. And tell me the things that happen that cause us to put a bowl over our Lights. What is it that causes us to hide our souls and hide our joys and hide our light? Or like how the video said, curl up into ourselves. Like how many of us have curled up into ourselves and the bull comes over and we hide? This is why Jesus says, blessed are you who actually hear the things I say and do it. Because that light then is on all to see. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a passage of freedom. This is the pinnacle of the 18-hour day. Like, people thought that the healings were brilliant. His, his sermon on prayer was brilliant. But it's all coming to this, where he's like, you have not seen or heard or done anything yet, because you are hiding under bulls, but you were meant to shine. So how does that happen? Here it goes. The passage can Continues on. Here we go. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light as when the lamp shines its light on you. You are the light. God is the light. Jesus is the light. He is the life. He is the breath. He is the story of creation circles here, the breath of God, the image of God, the imprint, the, you won't hide that if you know it. 
The thing is, is that shame is so prevalent here in our culture, in our day and age, in our upbringing, and the things that are done to us, the things that we've done to others, the ideas, the, the passions we have, the passions we don't have, the insecurities we have, the, everything, you know, causes us to evaluate and psychoanalyze ourselves and our life. And soon enough, we put a bowl over it. And yeah, we don't have so much enthusiasm behind that song, the older that you get. But 10-year-olds sing that song, you know? Because when you understand, when you hear the things that Jesus says and you actually apply them, you are blessed. Because the truth is, is that those songs that we all sang during the vacation Bible school, whole summers long, they are really brilliant and they are very true. Like the idea that that we have the light, a God-given light, inspired by the very light itself. And when the two collide and come together, we have, you know, I won't let anyone huff this out or blow it out or hide it under a bowl or whatever the song goes. It all of a sudden has truth and passion and the idea of, you know, I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart because you know that the light within you cannot be hidden. If I try to hide it, it breaks the bowl. That's what God does. God cannot be boxed, hidden, bold, contained, whatever. If you are able to do that, it's not God. And the, because God is an awesome God, you know? And all of a sudden, these cliche songs begin to have fangs and teeth, and, and they are powerful. And those who can actually sing them and believe what they mean, blessed are you, because you've got something. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, those that have the courage to stand up and put out their finger and say, this little light of mine, you know, blessed are you. Or th- 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 those that can get up and do the arm, you know, our God is an awesome God. Blessed are you if you really believe that. Because if you really believe that, blessed are you. And if you really have the joy of the Lord, blessed are you because you are someone who has... A, allowed the light of God, the truth of Jesus to go into every crack and cranny of your soul that harbors shame. Because there are parts of us that's so easy for Jesus to come in and like hang out there, right? And, but there are others like, you don't belong there. You know, like this kind of is the place you belong in the holy part of my heart. And then we got all this cavernous stuff. Blessed are you who actually hears the word of the Lord. Let it page through your heart and be changed by it. Letting the light of God shine, exposing the darkness because where the light is, darkness cannot exist. And darkness is the only thing that can bring you shame. And shame is the enemy. And for those who, who, who dwell in shame, who hide your eyes, who live under a bull, I'm sorry, because that's not who you were meant to be. So blessed are you who hears what the Lord Jesus says and opens up every inch of your heart so that you may be set free. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, we thank you for who you are that you are a 
teacher of truth, that you are a teacher who challenges and who gives up yourself freely. Jesus, we thank you for your heart for us and that you pave paths of freedom for us. God, in this time, show us the parts of our heart that bring us shame. Oh God, we thank you that you are a God that we can trust and that you always keep your promises. God, show us the parts of our heart that bring us shame. Parts of who we are, our story, our past, our fear of the future. Things that have happened to us things that we are afraid that could happen to us. Show us the parts of our hearts that bring us shame. Oh God, in this time, give us the courage and the bravery to bring down our fortress to bring down the things that have protected those parts of who we are. Tell us the things to do from here. Oh Lord, our hearts are, are totally yours. Our souls are totally ours. Bring us towards you and give us the confidence to sing out in truth the things we believe about you.